Thank you, ladies, for leading in that wonderful song. What a blessing it is to be able to worship the Lord, not only through uh, word, but through song as well. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I'm going to ask that you uh, uh, turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verses 24 and 25 uh, are the two verses that I want to look at this morning. And uh, we're going to begin to dig into them over the next few weeks. Uh, For those of you at home, in just a few moments as I begin to read the scripture, um, there will be written on the screen there for you. Uh, So find it in your place, Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verses 24 and 25. Today, we're going to begin a a series that will take me through the next uh, couple of weeks, if not a little bit longer, uh, discussing the church. Not just this church, but the church, Christ's church. We're going to be talking about its importance of the church in our culture today, and more importantly, how important it is and should be for your life. So uh, would you uh, just stand as we honor the reading of the word of the Lord this morning. Um, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, and, and it simply says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another in so much the more that you see the day approaching. Father, as we read your word and hear your word, now we pray that, Father, that you by your Holy Spirit would speak to us through your word, O Lord, and cause us, O Lord, to uh, hear from you today. And Lord, I pray that you might move me out of the way and hide me behind the cross as we speak about, uh, Father, this important subject of, uh, of, of God's instructions on corporate gathering. And Lord, how that we are to look together through the Word of God to see the importance of, uh, of this time right now that we have together. And Lord, may you speak unto your servant and speak unto your children. And may we go away, Father, rejoicing in the privilege of being in your house today in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. As we uh, begin this morning, um, many today are asking the question whether or not it is important for us to be a part of a church or if there is even any need of going to the physical building anymore, the church, when we have so many available options at our uh, hands today. Many years ago when I first thought about this, um, I was competing with television preachers. That was the only thing that I was competing with when I first thought about this very important subject of the matter, that people would come to me and say, well, preacher, I don't need to come on Sunday morning because I listen to uh, uh, Charles Stanley every Sunday morning. And they would give me these great preachers, and boy, they preached a whole lot better than I did, and and, and they brought a greater... I would listen to them. Okay, um, so I, I would have a, argue, or a hard time arguing with the fact that they, they were not getting fed. But here's the thing that God showed me many, many years ago. I, I would begin to ask the question, when is the last time that TV preacher shook your hand as you were leaving the, your living room? When's the last time that TV preacher was in the hospital room with you when you were sick or when your loved one was dying? When was the last time that that, that, that TV preacher um, reached out to you by phone? 
You see, the reality is today we are, we are dealing with much further advancements than TV preachers. As a matter of fact, many people are saying, well, preacher, I'm listening to you. That really makes it hard to argue with. So we're going to kind of look at what does the Bible say about our importance of meeting together in the house of God versus watching it or, or, or partaking of it in some other fashion, form, or time. So is this important? So we're going to begin digging into God's Word and see how truly important it is and why everyone should consider the coming to church a non-negotiable. So the question is, why church? Why do we need to come to church when we can hear preaching on the Internet? We can get it on our phones. We can get it on our television. So why come to church? I want to talk about and discuss the importance of why we should uh, not only be a part of a church, but we must begin with God's instructions as to gathering together as a church. We face a challenge in our church across the world that uh, we have not faced before in our lifetimes. The threat of a global pandemic has been a mere speculation centralized in action movies in which a, a frantic search for patient zero began and that led to an inevitable vaccination, a vaccine to be administered in the nick of time to that central character who would save the world. Well, let me just say the threat of global pandemic has been um, over... Um, made up in the movies. It is far less spectacular. It is far less sensualized. It is far less uh, the exciting time than what the movies make it out to be. Uh, the the uh, truth is that vaccinations are, or vaccines are not developed overnight. Um, the economy and social isolation play a greater role in, in the struggles of our life than Hollywood ever anticipated. Everything that we've been told points to a difficult time ahead before we will receive what we're going to now call our new normal. All right? So, as Christians, we certainly want to honor God in and through this time in which we are going through. We want to hear His voice and conduct ourselves as children of light in a dark world. We want to confront the fears and the uncertainties with the certainty supplied by the faith and by the word of a faithful God. The text in which I have chosen to teach from today was written during a time of great struggle, mainly a time of great church persecution. It was written in such a time that it is also kind of like our time in which we are going through today, um, bringing about some of the same effects that we see today due to the pandemic that we are currently uh, going through. Therefore, we look at verse 24, and we find that in verse 24, we find an encouraging word that says that we are to meet together to encourage one another, to lift one another up, to be there for one another during a most turbulent and strugglesome time. So there's encouragement to consider um, what your fellow believer is going through as they face the very same struggles that you are facing, but from their own perspective and their own way of life. So my desire today is not to condemn, but to encourage the saints to press on in their walk with the Lord. 
We will see as we uh, are to uh, dig into verse 25 next week that um, God has some certain instructions for us. Uh, but today we're going to look at God's instructions to corporate gathering. What does God have to say to you and I through his word about the importance about being here today, right now? I want to take the time, the next few moments, to begin uh, to dig into God's Word and to begin to remind you, the church, and to remind the church a whole. I'm told that, that there are people that are watching our service. I know all the way to the Philippines, because I get a word from a, our Philippine pastor that we support over there, that he's been watching, and some of his church folks have been watching. I know that I've been told that we're being watched all over the place. So this message is not just for Midway. This message is for God's church today. It is important important for us to understand that we need to know God's instructions on corporate gathering. So let's look together at the importance of corporate gathering. The church as the uh, ecclesia, uh, which is the Greek term in the Bible that translates into the word church, it means a gathering of citizens called out from their home into some public place or assembly. The Greek translation of the Old Testament word used in this term expresses the gathering of the assembly of the Jewish believers, and then Jesus himself used the same term in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18 when he said those most famous words to Peter, Upon this rock, I will build my church. My church, Jesus said, my assembly of my people that I will purchase with my own blood and will call out of this world to gather together in worship of me, in love and, and, and support one to another. And so it is naturally that the, the, the apostles were writing in the New Testament called the people of God in the first century church, uh, Ecclesia, uh, the church, the assembling uh, of the church, the very use of this term implies and assume, uh, uh, assumes a coming out from your homes to a gathering place together to worship the Lord as a unit, as a body of believers. I am sure of all that uh, uh, of us have heard it said from time to time, and maybe even you yourselves uh, have thought about this, where in the Bible does it really say that I need to go to church? Boy, I want to answer that question today in a big way. All right. I, I, I mean, there, you know, people might say, well, there is that one verse that preachers use all the time. You know, that one found in Hebrews. I mean, it really is. It really doesn't explain it well, but that's what they fall back onto. And guess what? I fell right back onto it today. But I'm going to try to explain it to you in such a way that it makes sense. All right. So uh, we need to look at that and, and see how to answer that question today so that we see from God's Word. Probably all of us at some point or another has met someone who has made this similar statement, um, who has said along the way, I have my own relationship with Jesus. Yes, I'm a Christian. I love God, but I'm not really into that whole church scene. 
I really don't think we need to get together and have uh, a meeting. I mean, this is very prevalent in our attitude towards the church today in our society. They say, I can have a relationship apart from God. Listen, I'm not telling you, you can't have a relationship with God and, 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 and not be in church. You can. But I can tell you what, you're not going to have a healthy relationship with God and not be in church. I can tell you that the church is vitally important in order for us to grow in our relationship with Christ. That's exactly what Hebrews chapter 10 is telling us as we look back. Now, I, I'm, I just pinpointed these two verses. We may, in the weeks to come, we may back up a little bit and draw in more about what the writer of Hebrews is saying to us during this particular time. All right. So when we think about this, we need to be reminded that it is important for us in our society today to know how important the church is. So we need to ask ourselves, what does the Bible say about the people of God gathering together? Does the Bible really teach that people of God are supposed to come away from their homes and their lives and gather together in one place to worship Jesus <clears throat> together. I say, yes, it does. We'll see it from the beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis, and we'll wrap it up all the way in the end of the last book in the book of Revelation. <clears throat> in Genesis chapter 4, in verse 26, we find in Genesis chapter 4, Cain has killed his brother Abel, and Cain becomes cursed by God. God in his mercy gives Adam and Eve another son by the name of Seth, who would continue the godly line through which the Messiah would eventually come out of. All right, and in verse 26, that Seth line had a son, and his name was Enosh. And it says of Enosh during this time, at this time people begin to call upon the name of the Lord. Now, in studying what does that really mean, most scholars would agree that what this means, and they're in agreement with the idea that this denotes a time when first public worship was being taken place. Because it says that they called upon the Lord. And it begins to happen as the godly line of Seth increases. So, we go back and we see that Cain and Abel making sacrifices to the Lord, worshiping him in some way, had learned this from their parents, had been instructed by perhaps Adam to go and make sacrifice before the Lord. But when God rises up another offspring to his commitment, to his promise that in Eve's offsprings would come the one who would crush the head of the serpent... People begin at this time publicly coming together to worship God and call upon His name. Now, we don't know what that all looked like at the beginning. I don't think there was pews, and I don't think everybody sat in rows. Uh, you know, we don't know exactly how that worked, but, but we know there's a couple of things that we can get from it. All right? So, sacrifices were probably involved. And there were probably some form of communication which people passed down what they knew to others, primarily regarding the curses and the promises of the serpent crusher. I mean, how else would Noah's father, Lamech, 
Hundreds of years after Adam and Eve know that the ground was cursed and that someone in his lineage would bring relief. The answer, my friend, is something that our pastor over here preaches to us on a regular basis. The reason that he's here to help us to understand the importance of family ministry and the importance of, uh, of that, that family and public worship, bringing your family from your home worship to the public setting of worship. And he has been teaching that since we have brought him on. And I hope that he will continue to teach that and that we will continue to hear it and we'll begin to live it out and so that our generations will see the importance of what we do at home is what we do and get when we come together here. My friends, it's no wonder we sit on our pews as if we're a thump on a log because we're not doing what we need to be doing at home. We're not leading our families. We're not spending time in God's Word so that when we come to the corporate place of worship, we're ready to praise the Lord. We're ready to receive the blessing. We're ready to get in touch with God. It's time that we recognize the importance of family and public worship. Then let's fast forward from the book of Genesis all the way to the last book, the book of Revelation, and I want to look at chapter 7 and verses 9 through 12, where John is having this vision of heaven, and this is what he says. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, all of the nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the land, clothed with white robes and psalms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood around about the throne, and all about the elders and the four beasts, and they fell before the throne on their faces, and they worshiped God saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. So when it all said and done, when the world has, has finished up and God has placed His judgment upon the world and He establishes the, the eternal kingdom in heaven, Look at what the Bible says is going to happen. All of God's people, all the people that have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, all the people who have made their way through His sacrifice into the glory of heaven, guess what we're going to be doing? Around the throne, worshiping in public worship, gathering together as God's people. If we're going to do it then, we better get practice up now. We cannot do it. By sitting at home, watching it on a screen. Now, if that's all you can do, please continue to do it. But if you can come, you need to be here. The Bible tells us, my friends, how important it is. We're going to gather together worshiping Christ. But not only does the theme of corporate uh, gathering extend throughout the whole of Scripture, but also in times of revival, which we've talked about the last few weeks, or in special times of God's invitation into the lives and hearts of His people. We're going to go back and look at some history in just a moment of the great emphasis on corporate worship and corporate gathering. So the second point, and, and which I want to make this morning, is the history of corporate gatherings. And I'm going to walk you through the Bible, if you would. So uh, just hang on, get ready, buckle your seatbelts, because i got to kind of run through this in a hurry. But I want to set a stage. 
Now, um, this morning when my wife was putting in all the stuff for the things that are online for the folks there, she texted me and said, is your sermon notes only one page? I said, well, the outline is there's just two points this morning, but yet the sermon has much more. Thank you, my love. I have a sweet little admirer right there. Camera couldn't see her, but everybody else did. All right, so let's go back. We're going to look at the history of corporate gathering, going all the way back to Genesis chapter 4, verse 26. You've already heard me talk about it, but I want to just narrow in on it again. In verse 26, the phrase, people begin to call upon the name of the Lord, is significant because of the context in which it is given. Cain had murdered his brother, and God had cursed him and sends him away from his presence. And this ungodly uh, offspring are thriving in the world. And they're building cities and they're flourishing in agriculture and technology and arts. And, and then Lamech introduces polygamy and is boasting of the unjust revenge that he's going to take. And it's not looking very good for the people of God. It seems that evil is winning in the, uh, the battle and God is losing the war. But let me remind you, God never loses. He always wins. But then God grants Seth unto Adam and Eve who begins to bear children and there begins a revival, perhaps the first revival in all the earth took place. And it was shown as people began to worship Yahweh publicly. You see, the first part of public worship goes all the way back to the very beginning before uh, all the craziness took place. You see, the reality is we need to understand that the gathering together of God's people is something that God set up through a godly lineage. And then we go on to the next book in Exodus chapter 24 and verse 3. When the people of Israel make a covenant with God and God gives them the Mosaic law. In verse 3 it says, Moses came and told the people all the words that the Lord had and all the rules and all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And they offered sacrifice and worship and they say, uh, and he took the book of the covenant and read it and hearing the people and they said, all the Lord has spoken, we will do and we will be obedient. Do you see the corporate nature that is taking place right here? The fact that, that God's people were coming together. They had been wandering through the wilderness uh, and God stops them at the mountain and he sends Moses up and after uh, a certain point of time, Moses come down and find the people astray. And you know the story, I don't have time to go back. But when he comes down and he gets them together and he says they gathered together at the foot of the mountain and there they worshiped the Lord together as God gave them his word. My friends, listen, it's important that we come every Sunday morning to receive the word. And it don't just begin in here. It begins in Sunday school. And we need to come to Sunday school. We need to uh, get that first time of spending time with God so that we're ready to receive Him when we come into worship.
I tell you, so many times I see people come into worship service because they haven't come into Sunday school, and I see them come in as a deer in the lights look. You know, they're coming in going, I don't know what I'm going to sin, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, and, and perhaps maybe they had a little argument in the car, perhaps they had a little tussle before they left the house, and, and, and they're not ready. I have seen this umpteen times, and I've watched them. They're stirred, and they're, they're, they're all a craze until about five minutes before the service is over, and they finally got, okay, preacher, now I'm ready, and I'm done. See, the problem is that we need Sunday school to come to help us be prepared so that when we come into public worship, we're ready to worship. So Exodus tells us that that the people gather together. 1 Samuel, let's move along with some of the prophets. 1 Samuel in chapter 11, verse 14. After God rises up Saul to defeat the Israel's enemies, uh, uh, Samuel says to the people, Come, let us... Go to Gilgal and there renew the kingdom. And they went and worshiped God together. You see, the reality is everything that I'm going to show you has we and us in it. In 2 Samuel chapter 6 and verse 15, when the Ark of the Covenant is brought back to Jerusalem and David uh, is, is bringing it back and David, and it says, it, David and all of the house of Israel brought up the Ark of the Lord with shouting and with songs and, and sounds of horns. You see, there was a time of praise when they were in the presence of the Lord. All the children of Israel, the house of Israel came together. The house of God must come together and we must worship the Lord. Then in 1 Kings in chapter 8 in verses 62 and 63, when Solomon is dedicating the temple, when the temple is finished, it says the king and all of Israel with him offered sacrifices before the Lord. And then it says the king and all the people of Israel dedicated the house of the Lord. You see, the Bible tells us that that when the temple was being built and King Solomon was prepared to open its doors to the work of the Lord, he brought all the people together. And together they made sacrifices. Together they came and they offered unto the Lord. Together they came and dedicated the place unto God. When Israel returned or renews the covenant during the reign of Josiah, remember the word of the Lord had been hidden from the people for a period of time. And young Josiah finds the word of the Lord in the temple of the Lord. And when he finds it after weeping over it, after crying out to God, he gets the priest together and calls all the children of the the Lord together. And he calls the people. And the king went up to the house of the Lord. And with with him all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the priests and the prophets, the people, both small and great. And he read the word in their hearing. The words of the book of the law that was found in the house of the Lord. You see, the reason that we open up the word of God when we come is because this is the book in which we're supposed to be reading from. This is the scripture in which we should be taking our cue from. I said it last week, if we take this out of our worship, if we take this out of our songs, if we take this out of our family, if we take this out of our country, we're useless. The same thing happened in Nehemiah chapter 8. 
Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1. All the people came together to hear the word of the Lord. Then let's jump to the New Testament. You say, well, that's the Old Testament. We don't live in the Old Testament. We live in the New Testament. Listen, my friends, the Old Testament is the foundation for the house that you live in. And without it, your house will crumble. We live on that foundation. But let me tell you that it just didn't happen in the Old Testament. It happened in the New Testament. Let's go to the book of Acts, the beginning of the, uh, the new church, the, the church in which we are called a part of today in Acts chapter 2 in verses 46 through 47. After the Spirit of the Lord is poured out on the day of Pentecost, Luke says this about the church. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in the house, they received their food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And then the Lord added their, to their numbers day by day as who should be saved. Now, could I go on? Should I go on? I could go on all day long telling you from the book of Acts all the way to the book of Revelation, numerous occasions where the church was formulated and brought together to worship the Creator. But listen, I've got to close so that you don't lose what I've said to you this morning. Let me, let me close this way. I, my closing is a little longer than normal because I wanted to recap and set the stage. The call that we place upon the church today for corporate weekly worship attendance may almost sound legalistic and impractical. But such a high view of corporate worship is warranted in light of verse 25 in the latter part as it says, as in the habit of some. Now we're going to look at this a little deeper next week, but listen to me this morning. Because it says that some people had already started missing the church meetings. And the word habit tells us of that act was habitual absence and become customary in their life. And listen, let me tell you something. You miss one Sunday, it's easier to miss the next Sunday. You miss the next Sunday, it's easier to mix the next Sunday. And eventually it becomes a habit not to come, but to stay home and do whatever else it is you're doing. But listen, my friends, don't ever let anybody tell you, well, it's a bad thing to have a habit of coming to church. No, it's not. It's that habit that drives us to come to the house of the Lord so we can worship Him. It should be a non-essential. Uh, it should be something that, that we say is non-negotiable. It is something that I do every week that I can. Remember why some of the people were missing the meetings? Remember what I said earlier? The book of Hebrews chapter 10 was written during a time of great persecution a time when people were placing their lives on the line. Kind of sound familiar today maybe to some? Coming to church today could mean that you're placing your health on the line. Yes, it could in any time, not just during this crazy time. But listen, let me tell you something. These folks were experiencing persecution because of their faith in Christ. Their lives were on the line every time that they went to meet together. But listen to me, God still said to them, do not neglect to meet together even when you put your life on the line. 
If God did not excuse these early believers, even though they may be martyred, if they showed up, then I know that God will not excuse us for our sinful, selfish, silly, and superficial reasons for not coming to church. Does this mean that you should attend every meeting, every function, every service that the church holds? No. Let me answer it this way, though. Let me give you a principle to live by. If you are absent and others do not know where you are, but they're not surprised by your absence, you are probably out of the will of God in this particular matter. Let me go on. Because that's important. But the rest of it is important too. If you can miss church without being missed at church, there's something wrong. If you can miss church without missing church, there's something wrong. You see, it's not only what others think about you not being here, it's about what you think about you not being here. It's so important that we understand that if I can stay home and feel good about it, there's something spiritually not right. Because we're called by God to gather together. The last few weeks I've spoken about the church's need for revival and here's how I want to tie it together. One question that is oftentimes asked about revival is what does revival look like and how do you know that it's come? Preacher, you preach that we need revival. How do we know revival's come? What does it look like? Some may say when revival comes, there will be a large number of salvations. Some may say, no, we know revival has come when God's people repent and and take holiness serious. And then some may insist that when God pours out His Spirit, that there are miracles or missionaries sent out from the church. Now, I don't want to stand up here and make it seem like I know what God's going to do or not going to do during a time of revival, but there's something biblically that I can tell you that I know that He does every time there is a revival. And it has everything to do with what I've shared with you this morning. The Bible reminds us that every time God pours out His Spirit in unusual and powerful ways, there is always a great emphasis on and a commitment to genuine, authentic gathering of public worship. The people come together, they worship God together, and they hold each other up together. So it seems to me that the very clear, uh, it's very clear from the beginning of Scripture to the end of uh, time that God desires for His people that if there is to be a great communal and public aspect to their worship and their service to Him, the importance of gathering together, my friends, is that this is where we worship the Lord where we encourage one another, where we look around and see others that are hurting and look for a way in which we can meet that need, or where we come together and we are hurting and we look for someone to reach out and to meet our need. 
is where we can come to the altar and know that if we come to pray, we're not praying for our problem by ourselves, but God's people will gather around us and will pray with us. My friends, I could go on and on, and I will come next week about what God has to say more and further in this text about the importance of you and I gathering together in the house of the Lord. Not just because of the pandemic in which we're going through. Not just because of the culture in which we're living in. But because of the relationship we're supposed to have with Him. So therefore, my friends, I tell you it is important that we understand what God has to say about why we gather together as His children. And we must not neglect the gathering together of the saints, no matter what the world throws at us. I want to pray for you, and then I'm going to close out our time with our online guest, and then uh, we'll just have a moment together. Father, I pray that, Lord, the words that I've said this morning would not be words of condemnation, but words of encouragement. That, Lord, there is something special about gathering together in the house of the Lord. There's something special about being here that we can't get anywhere else. Lord, I pray that your people would hear your word, hear your spirit speak. Father, not take the words that I've said, but let the spirit who speaks his word speak unto their hearts, O Lord. Father, would you draw us together as a body of believers, not only to a time of corporate worship, of corporate prayer, of corporate fellowship, of corporate gathering, time when we come together in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our great and mighty Savior. Lead us now as we go forth. May we go out into the world stronger more determined because we have met with you here today. Lord, go with us, go before us, and give us the strength that we need to go into the world, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Thank you for those of you that have watched and are watching online. If you need to contact us, our contact information is there on the screen. Please feel free to do that, and uh, we will uh, contact you as well. Um, As we sign off now, I want to just talk to you, the church.